Welcome to the OTP, the official Titans podcast, in case you didn't know what OTP meant. My name is Mike Keith. Amy Wells is here. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Well, it, it's kind of interesting. Because of how this edition of the OTP falls, either I am your guest or you are my guest. We're equals, We're Mike. equals. So I'm not sure how it's going to work. Jim Wyatt was supposed to be with us, but... He was out at the shooting range with the players during what was their final day of minicamp, learning gun safety from the Metro Police, which I think is a great thing. I think I, it's so cool. I, I mean, to do something that practical and that useful, what a smart move. Well, it's so different. Teams will go play paintball right. or laser tag or something like that. This, you're still shooting things. There's that fun component to it where there's target practice, and so it's something that they can kind of compete with. But you're right. There's such a practical application to it. I think it's great. It's just so cool. Such a good idea. Yeah, that's pretty typical of Mike Vrabel. Mm-hmm. Mike Vrabel has things in mind when he does uh, different activities. He, he's very intentional. Yes. That's one thing I could definitely say about Coach Vrabel is everything he does is with a purpose. And, uh, you know, the final teams constantly take off the last practice of minicamp to do some sort of fun team-building activity. And it seems like the guys had a great time, but at the same time, they got to interact with Metro Police. They got to be trained in this way. They got to, you know, learn how to properly use a gun. Um, a, a smart thing, I think, in case those guys are, are going to own firearms. Is having the last practice of minicamp be a fun surprise day off really a surprise to anyone anymore? I don't anymore? think it is. I mean, we always talk about it with this secrecy and we kind of whisper that we might have the day off the tomorrow. Surprise would but be everyone if they, knows. The surprise would be if they practiced. I would be shocked. Uh, this is season eight for me in the NFL and never have I seen a minicamp practice on the third day. Of on the final day. They, yeah. they generally choose to do something else. So football is over now for roughly six weeks. The, wah, team, wah. the team will come back on the 25th sort of get back to work, and then that weekend they'll really start to crank it up. Um, The most interesting thing that Mike Vrabel said that I heard, and I I really liked his uh, post-mini-camp press conference better than most, because you're always going to hear, oh, yeah, we got a lot done in the offseason. Nobody ever says, boy, it was terrible. We got nothing done. Everybody's out of shape. That was really bad. That was bad. (laughs) Nobody ever says that, but he, he talked in very distinct terms about what he felt like they got done and then very specifically said look we really don't know that much till we get in pads absolutely which is 100 percent the truth and you know so many guys look great running around in shorts and then when people put helmets and shoulder pads on they don't look as good on the other hand there are guys who are not world-class athletes in terms of how they look at the combine but they know how to play when the pads are on, and their game speeds up. I don't know why. It's just that's how it is with certain people. And I thought Coach Vrabel's logic in that and laying that out there as a basis for everything about where he thinks this team is is a big deal. Since day one of Mike Vrabel being here, he has talked about managing expectations. Right. He's a guy that I think going forward, and we've seen so far, 
doesn't get too high when things are good, mm -hmm. but doesn't get too low when things don't look as good. He's very realistic about where this team is, what you're actually going to be able to accomplish in either a time span or with whatever limitations you have. He's never going to sugarcoat something for you, and he's never going to blow something up to make it seem like the world is crashing down. The reason I was most excited about Mike Vrabel becoming the Tennessee Titans head coach was just exactly that, the talk about pads, the talk about the work that's going to go with the pads and what all is going to happen as you really become a football team in late July into August. All of these things that you do in April, May, and June lead up to laying a foundation for training camp, which is what he said. He said, we, we know basically the gist. They know what I want them to do. They know how practice runs. They know what the plays are. Now let's see if we can hit somebody. And that part of it, to me, was such a big deal in his hiring because, let's face it, in this division, Jacksonville, that's a tough guy team. Yeah, they're going to hit you. Houston, that's a tough guy team. When yep. they get their defense back, and when you play against Andrew Luck, which apparently the Titans are going to, that's a tough team. Mm -hmm. You are not winning in this division with a bunch of trick em. Nope. I mean, it's not going to be, oh, we out-fancied them. You better be tough. And that doesn't mean you run every down or you score four points a game. And I, I, I get that that's a perception. But when it comes down to it, you better be able to get physical better be able to get with somebody because the other teams in this division can and want to do it. I think a Mike Rabel team is going to be able to get down with anybody. When you look around the league, the AFC South is what sticks out to me as being the team that's just going to – all of those teams are just going to punch you in the mouth. Right. It's not – some of the prettier teams, I don't think it, the games are going to be as run up the score. I think that – especially these division games. They're going to be down and dirty. They're going to be won and lost kind of in the trenches. And Mike Brable's trying to build a team that can do just that, well, just punch you in the face. Right. You want to be able to throw it and score 35 points a game, and, and that's certainly necessary. And I think every team in the division probably can. They've all certainly improved themselves offensively, either through free agency, the draft, or getting players back from injury. But at that moment in the fourth quarter, I mean, it, the score in the game may be 35 to 31 or it may be 7 to 3. At that moment, you're going to find out what you've got, just like the Titans came through in the final game of the season against Jacksonville. There was a moment in that game where you were either going to win it or you were not going to win it. And Marcus Mariota had the stiff arm and the, and the Titans did what they needed to do. That's the kind of coaching that's the kind of team that I think you're going to have to have at those moments to win the division. And, and, and that's why I have been a fan of, of Vrabel and what he has brought. I don't think anybody is going to out-tough Tennessee. Not saying they're the, the, the biggest, baddest boy on the block. Not saying that. But I'm saying I think they will be there and will be able to, to resonate that sort of toughness when it's needed in big situations. Did you see that Coach Vrabel said there's 87 days from the last day of minicamp to the first regular season game? The first preseason game is eight weeks from today wow, as we record this on Thursday, June the 14th. Eight weeks. Isn't that nuts? It's great. It's, it, it's just around the corner is Would what it feels like. Would you agree that in our job, the next six weeks are the hardest? Yes. Oh, absolutely. I'm starting to get a little squirrely. 
I'm sad that they're leaving. I feel like I just got back into the football routine. Mm-hmm. You know, you take a little bit of, br- of a break once you're done with the regular season or the postseason for us. Um, and then you're jonesing for football. And then the guys are back in the building. And there's working out, and everybody's loud again, and you start feeling that football vibe. And then OTA practices start, and it feels very much like you're kind of getting back in that mm-hmm. in-season routine. And then, boom, everybody leaves, and it's six weeks of silence. Yeah, for a while, oh. you, you'll be able to ride a bicycle at full speed down the football park of St. Thomas Sports Park and not be worried about a door opening and somebody walking out. Because they get away, yeah. and they need to, and especially the coaching staff. I mm-hmm. mean, it's really a big deal. They return before the players do, but the coaching staff has to get away. They, you know, you've got to get a break. You've got to get that time with your family. You're going to go to Florida or California or the mountains or you know, whatever you're going to do. Because once the routine starts the last week of July, you hope that you're going until the first week of February. Here's a question for you, Mike. Sure. For the next five or six weeks, as far as the players are concerned, are there stipulations as to what they can or cannot do per the CBA? Well, there's nothing that they can do officially with the team. The rookies have some leeway. They get a little extra time here on the back end before they're sort of sent away. But, you know, they're off. This, and this was what the CBA of 2011 was really all about because the players had a 16-week offseason prior to the newest CBA, and now they have a nine-week offseason. Or let me say that again. Prior to the 2011 CBA, the players had a 16-week work period here at St. Thomas Sports Park and other complexes. So they would get back middle of March, and they would leave later in June. Now, under the most recent CBA, their off-season program, the official part, is nine weeks. They get back the week of the draft, and they're gone now, so they've got extra time. Those guys, I mean, they can do whatever they need to do as far as working out. The injured players certainly have a right to, to be getting worked on and things of that sort, but there is nothing official that goes on until the players report July 24th. Yeah, Jim White just walked in. Come over here. Jim. This is live. What the heck is this? This is live. This is, this is live podcasting at its best. Jim White has just finished the press conference, the final press conference. We braced ourselves for your absence. And we're having, yep. we're having to do this at a different time because we have team requirement meetings we have to go to. Oh, we sure do. So we are taping this now before the team requirement meetings that will start in a few minutes. So that's why Jim was pinned down time-wise. Most interesting things that Mike Vrabel said in his post-minicamp press conference. Uh, the most interesting probably happened after the press conference. <laughs> he had a little back and forth with, uh, I guess, with local media about access, what it's going to look like moving forward. During the press conference itself, uh, I just think how expectations have been set, you know, throughout the course of this offseason, you know, looking forward to camp and kind of implementing more things. Uh, official camp date, uh, he said reporting date July 25th. First practice is July 26th. Uh, made it known there's going to be another Friday night lights uh, this year at a high school field to be determined. Uh, and uh, I think he feels like it was a successful offseason in his first year as a head coach. Is he going to have open practices for the fans? He is, and it sounds like he's going to be a lot of them. And I would anticipate the schedule coming out within the next couple of weeks. I mean, I, you know, the questions I get the most, when's, when's training camp starting? What's the autograph schedule look like? Well, we'll know, I think, what the – 
camp schedule looks like sooner, a lot sooner than we do the autograph schedule, which will be closer to camp once guys are back in the building and can be assigned certain days. But you'll sign every day. Yeah, I'll be available to sign every day. Uh, you know. Pictures only on yeah. some days. Well, well, probably only the day my only the day my family's out here wants wants. Uh, although they don't they don't even want an autograph, <laughs> so uh, people be uh, wasted time to show up for that. Well, now that Jim's here, maybe we can talk about some mini camp observations. You want to run through your questions? I do. I have a list of questions. She has here. a list of questions. Go ahead, Amy. I came Wells. prepared this time. So for both of you guys, I want to start off just with position groups. Is there one that really stood out to you throughout the minicamp process, if not the entire offseason program? Yeah, I think cornerback. I, I, th- I think uh, the depth there is incredible and, and how far this team has come at that position in the, in the past couple of years. You know, adding Malcolm Butler to Logan Ryan and Dory Jackson, those are your kind of frontline guys. But the two guys behind them, LaShawn Sims and Ty Smith, are, are players that have played a meaningful snaps and meaningful games. And uh, both those guys have had good off seasons. I just think it's, uh, it's a really impressive position group led by a secondary coach in Kerry Combs who, who is pushing them to the limit. Titans are better at inside linebacker than I thought they would be. Wesley Woodyard looks like Wesley Woodyard. Will Compton was a good signee. Rashawn Evans although Coach says he's not ready to start, certainly looks like a big-time prospect. Jayon Brown incredibly improved in year two, and Nate Palmer has also had good work. So uh, one of the areas that uh, I had been worried about a little bit just after the season ended, Avery Williamson's departure as well, not worried about it right now. Well, let's talk about Rashawn Evans a little bit then. Do you feel like he's coming into his own on this team? Obviously, he still has more work to do, but do you feel like he's establishing himself a little bit? I do. I I like him a lot. I I see the flashes. And and listen, I'm no coach, but if a guy makes a lot of tackles and is around the ball, you can generally tell he's a pretty good player. Uh, This is a guy who knows how to play football, knows how to get after it. I'm sure responsibility-wise, he doesn't do everything right. But as Coach Dave McGinnis likes to say, he's got a GPS for the football. I, I think he's going to be very special. Yeah, what's, I mean, what's great with him, what's great for Harold Landry is those guys have got veterans in front of them, not only to keep the pressure off of them, not feeling like, hey, I've got to be ready to start day one. Of course, you, you'll want everybody to push for that. But, uh, you know, Mike Vrabel has said he's not ready yet. I mean, he's not ready to start at this point, but he still has plenty of time to learn. I, I love his attitude, he's a mature young man. He got that from playing at Alabama, uh, obviously under Nick Saban. Uh, he's, you know, Vrabel's kind of put him in charge of getting the rookies lined up for the bus, you know, certain other things that he's asking to do from a leadership standpoint. Rashawn Evans willing and eager to do all of that. And uh, I'm be curious to see how he looks. I have a feeling how he looks when the pads come on, but I'll be, I'm anxious to see it. Another defensive draft pick, Dane Crookshanks. He's adjusting to a new position. You mentioned the defensive backs, Jim. What do you think about him and if he's settling into his new role? I think he's fine in his way. I don't think he's there yet. I mean, I, I think he – and you can tell sometimes by just the chatter that takes place on the field. I mean, and, and I think he would tell you that he still is a work in progress. But he's a physical specimen. Uh, he's a, you know, I think he's a smart kid. Uh, he's a really good athlete. Uh, he's, you know, adjusting to a different position. Uh, again, has guys in front of him that keep the pressure off of him from feeling like he has to uh, be on the field immediately. But he's gonna, a guy that's going to help on special teams, I think, right out of the gate. And I think he's going to be a good player for, for years to come. Should be a great special teams player with his athleticism. 
his development leads straight to the signing of Kendrick Lewis, though, which I think was a real key in this offseason because Crookshank is not a guy who has played the traditional safety position ever before. He was, in essence, a monster man or an extra linebacker, whatever you want to use in terms of old terminology with the Arizona defense. So he's learning to play NFL safety. Kendrick Lewis is a guy who has done it, has done it well, has done it in this defense before, and could give him a chance to sort of ease into learning and still even have a chance to be active on game day because of what he can do on special teams. I had a pick on the last day of minicamp, too, and, you know, interesting story that, that we all know, but I don't know that anybody else does. I, I talked to him at the end of minicamp and talked to Vrabel as well. He played with Mike Vrabel in Kansas City, was teammates with him. Now here he is uh, playing under him as in Vrabel's first year as a head coach. That's very unique, uh, Mike Vrabel said it himself. Do you think that's uncomfortable? Is that weird to have the guy who was once your teammate now being like, nah, man, you No, because when he played with Vrabel, Vrabel was already like 35. Uh, yeah. I guess that's but, true. But, boy, it speaks to the staying power of, of Kendrick Lewis. And, uh, and Mike Vrabel. Yeah, and Mike yeah. Vrabel, how – forget how, you know, you talk about uh, players respecting uh, other guys who've played in the league. Well, this is a guy that just played in the league not that long ago, uh, which you can't – gives him even more moxie, I think. Guy that all eyes have been on during minicamp is Kevin Dodd. Right. Where do you guys see him fitting in the best under a new coaching regime with a new defensive scheme? Well, John Robinson said at the end of last season, and they worked him in some in the defensive line, that he thinks that might end up being his best position. I mean, listen, Dodd's going to come to training camp with all eyes still on him. You know, he missed some of the voluntary workouts. That doesn't make anybody in the front office or the coaching staff happy. Happy. He, he didn't do any interviews during the minicamp. That means the media is going to have their eye on him. He's got to go. And I think he's going to have a chance to go because he does have, you know, the physicality and the attributes to be able to do it. But, he, Jim, he's going to have to produce quickly. Yeah, he is. I mean, because, you know, it's an overused term. But NFL, you know, stands for not for long. Everybody uses that as kind of an old cliche. But, He's had two years. First year, I felt terrible for him. He had a foot injury. Sure. Then he had to try to come back from it, had to have another surgery last year. Everybody's wise Kevin Dodd not doing more, and I couldn't help but think, well, he's got, you know, Derek Morgan. He's got Brian Arakpo. He's got Eric Walden, three proven guys ahead of him. Now, in year three, a guy that was picked that high in the draft has got to be productive. Now, he's valuable because he can put his hand on the dirt. He can do, you know, a number of different things to get after the quarterback, and they can line him up in some different spots with other pieces they have on this defense. But I think he knows, uh, like you said, all the eyes are going to be on him. That's not just media, but that's going to be the head coach. That's going to be everybody. the GM. That's going to be teammates because the guy hasn't been around here, and everybody else has. And when you when you choose not to be here, it, you know, players kind of hold each other accountable. They're, they're going to expect him to be ready to contribute and, and be ready to play at the start of camp. I switch over to the offensive side of the ball now. Do you guys still think that we're going to end up carrying three quarterbacks when all is said and done? I don't know how you can't. I mean, I, 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 I think going into the draft, people would ask me, well, what are the chances the Titans would take a quarterback? I didn't rule it out, but I thought, well, I, I don't know about that because if you do take a quarterback, you're committing to having three on the roster, and it's tough to carry three on the roster. But now that Luke Falk is here, uh, you know, and, and seeing Blaine Gabber, who has a strong arm, I don't know how you can discard – uh, Luke Cart, Luke Falk, this quickly because if you do, probably going to lose them. I mean, somebody will sign them if you say, "Hey, let's keep them around to develop on the practice squad." So, 
I think you have to keep three, and uh, we'll be surprised if they don't at this point. He looks like an NFL quarterback. Yep. Falk does. So if he continues to do that, it's hard to see them not keeping three. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's right. Do you guys think that Deion Lewis was as advertised? I do. I, I like Deion Lewis a lot. The, the thing that impressed me so much, and again, so much of what I'm talking about with a Deion Lewis has to do with what Dave McGinnis told me in preparation for that New England uh, divisional round playoff game. He said, you know, this guy can, for, for not a big guy, he can really run inside. And he really can't. He cuts well. You know, he has good enough speed, and that's fine. He's not very big, admittedly, but he can run inside. He's hard to find. He runs tough. And because he can do that, he can obviously run the stretch play. He can catch the football, but he can do that thing that you don't expect him to be able to do. And because of that, I think he's interchangeable with the much bigger back in Derrick Henry. I'm, I'm a fan of what he does. Yeah, I am too, and I, I think the relationship between those two guys is key. I mean, it, it was a weird dynamic with DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry uh, to some degree because DeMarco Murray's a veteran who had put up such good numbers. Uh, he sees a young guy coming in in Derrick Henry, who a Heisman Trophy winner who's trying to take his spot. And I think those guys got you know worked well together and respected one another. But uh, you know, I, I do think it was a scenario where DeMarco – didn't want to come out of some games, want to play through injuries because he didn't want to open the door for a guy like Derrick Henry to take his job and, and know he might not ever get it back. That's all out the window now. And I think just watching Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis kind of communicate with one another, they like each other. They've got a similar personality. They know their different backs going to be asked to do different things. And I think it's a healthy situation running back room. The one I'm looking forward to is to see who wins the number three spot. David Fluwell and Akram Wadley, because I think that's one to watch in camp. I think they could keep all four. That would be something. I, yeah. I really do, because I think, you know, Wadley is just a guy. He's 5'10", 185, 190 pounds. Fluellen is a solid 225. I think Fluellen's responsibility is going to be special teams oriented. And in essence, somebody made the point to me yesterday that I thought was a good one. Fluellen might be Henry's back. Widely may end up being Lewis's backup. Yeah, yeah. And, and you, well, you don't have to keep a fullback anymore. Well, so that's right, because, yeah, yeah so, for a lot of reasons. Yeah, so instead of doing the numbers in the past when Ahmad Hall was here, Greg Camilla, uh, you know, Troy Fleming, whoever it might have been in the past, now you just count straight running backs. And, uh, you know, one of the tight ends can bounce over and play in, in the backfield if needed. Don't rule out Dalen Dawkins, though, the running back from Colorado State. Uh, really nice-looking player in his own right, and I think he's going to battle for a roster spot, try to try to take that third or fourth spot, whatever it's there. But Wadley is a really, really good-looking player out of Iowa and does so many things well. He makes guys miss. There are a lot of guys to watch in that running back group, but overall as an offense, is there a player or two that you guys are going to be keeping a special eye on going into training camp? Mine's Corey Davis, just because I know how much he means uh, to this team, and we saw it early part of this offseason. He kind of had his work scaled back at the end. If he's able to stay healthy, if he's able to keep doing what he was doing the first part of this offseason, what he did in the last season, he's a game-changing type player. You know, Mike Vrabel said today, expects – Everybody to be healthy at the start of camp, with the exception of, of Jack Conklin. That in, so that includes Corey Davis. That includes Rashard Matthews. Uh, 
Richard in my mind, even though he missed all 10 OTAs is, or nine of them since one of them did not take place, is, uh, is, is kind of a given. He's a, he's a proven vet, but Corey Davis has got to emerge and be uh, a difference maker. I think right tackle is mine. You touched on Jack Conklin. Where will he be able to start at the beginning of training camp? Is that Dennis Kelly spot? Uh, does Pamphile get a chance to compete there if Conklin is going to be out for a while? You know, some of the, the Taylor Lewan holdout and the fact that Jack Conklin has been out may have disrupted some of what they were looking to do as far as competition at left guard because they had to use Pamphile uh, at, at left tackle during the minicamp because of the, the Taylor Lewan absence, and they've used Dennis Kelly the whole time at right tackle. So, uh, to me, I think Lewan's going to be back. I, I think that's going to get worked out. But the, the deal at right tackle with Conklin – that's one to watch because when they start training camp, he will only be six months removed from his ACL surgery. And while he's doing well, you know, can he start training camp? Yeah. I mean, it's a real question. Yeah. You mentioned Taylor Lewan. I want to circle back to that in a second. But before we get there, we have a lot of undrafted free agents on this team. Are there any that have really stuck out to you and impressed you throughout the offseason program? I'll let you go first. Well, we mentioned Wadley, who I like. I think the receivers uh, – uh, Jordan Vesey gets my attention just because he's big, he's physical, he looks like Dorian Green Beckham from a physical standpoint. Fans are going to see what we've seen once camp starts. Uh, Devin Ross, I like the looks of him. Colorado, yep. good player. Sharif Fitch, an outside linebacker, looks the part. You know, can he do it when the pads come on? I, I think we'll. I'm anxious to see that one. Um, I think those are the four counting wildly that kind of jump out the most to me. Those certainly stand out. Burnett, the wide receiver from USC, one thing to remember about him, he's just 20 years old. So he, he may be a guy that you say he gets better as he goes. His upside works forward. Uh, at the safety position, I think, you know, there's some, some guys that you're, you're kind of interested in seeing exactly what's going to happen there. Uh, Kalu from Nebraska is the one that jumps out to me. And then in the defensive line, Mike Ramsey from Duke. And Matt Dickerson from UCLA are good-looking players. They're, they're more good-looking prospects in the undrafteds than, than I've probably seen since 2005 when it was obvious that uh, because of the salary cap situation, so many undrafteds had to make the team. Yeah. This, this is really – this is where kind of the round eight, round nine, round ten picks came in for the Titans. And Joseph Estes won more, right. and the uh, only thing about him is, 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 is that competition and that position so deep uh, at, at, you know, at corner. So he's going to have to have a great camp to stick, but maybe he's a practice squad guy. That's exactly right. You guys just named everybody, so <laughs> Sorry. no one stuck out. We're having 74 guys make this team. I know. Well, is this roster starting to take shape a little bit, or is it still way too early Oh, I think to it's tell. way too early. I think because of I think it's the pads thing. We were talking about that before you got here, Jim and Coach, making it clear that they had a nice base for everything, but that nothing is going to be settled till they put pads on. So I don't know that in my mind that anything got fully determined during the course of the OTAs or the minicamps. I think some people put good thoughts in minds, but we've seen that many times before we've seen that movie a guy goes out in shorts and looks great and then you know gets under the lights the first time and yeah doesn't know what to do yeah i mean it's it's uh it's a it's a grind once camp starts and mike Vrabel camps are not going to be 
you know, two-hand touch. I mean, it's going to be intense. It's going to be physical. Uh, and, you're, and vets know how to take care of their bodies and work their way through it. Some of the young guys who've looked good throughout the offseason, you know, have to, are going to be challenged to keep it going. Really quick, before we have to wrap this up, I want to touch on Taylor Lewan and his contract a little bit. There are a lot of different options of things that could happen with Taylor and his contract. Give me some reasons why people shouldn't panic right now. Because they've been talking, and they've been talking regularly. It, it's not like there hadn't been conversations. There've been, I, I, my, my sense is there have been numerous conversations. When, when, and, and Jim's been at it as long as I have. The history is when the GM and the agent are in the middle of talking, it's going to get worked out. It's when nobody's talking that it's scary. Yeah, and I think Taylor obviously you know, wants to be accountable to his football team. He certainly wants to be there for Marcus Mariota and his teammates. This is the business side that comes into play. Uh, you know, what you can't you got to keep in mind, and I've been through so many of these when I, back in the days when I used to work at the Tennessean. Uh, you know, he's under contract for this year making $9.4 million. team will have the option of putting the franchise to- tag on him next year and the year after that. Uh, so he knows that, and uh, the, the team knows that. Uh, does it get worked out with a new contract at the start of training camp? I, I don't know that I'm willing to put money on that right now, but I think eventually things will work out where everybody's on the same page moving forward. But um, all these play out differently. Mike Vrabel said himself when talking about he expects everybody to be here at the start of camp healthy with the exception of Conklin. He was asked the next question, will you expect Taylor Wan to be here? He said, I don't know. So you've got, you've got five weeks maybe to, to wait and see how that plays out. We've got to work OTP appearances, like a quota, in his contract. I know. Who do we talk to about that? I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, I'm just thinking out loud, just spitballing. The great Jim White, thank you. Glad to be on. Amy Wells, thanks for taking over as moderator. Yeah, anytime I think we determined that I was the host and you guys are the guest. Well, I guess that's how it worked out. But I do get to say thanks for joining us for the official Titans podcast. This has been the OTP.